Hello and welcome to Clear Out, a basketball podcast. I'm your host, Nihal Qatar. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Sahil. Sahil, how you doing? We're back after a bit of a hiatus for the World Cup and, and other events, but uh, I'm happy to be back. What about you? Yeah, it's been good to watch a little bit more basketball. I, I wasn't watching as much a few weeks ago when the World Cup began with the group stage and everything, but um, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to watch the basketball and be back after we had a consistent start, and we hope to kind of continue where we were in terms of consistency at the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. We're going we're gonna to be doing weekly podcasts again. Um, yeah, you know, to be honest, I haven't really watched any basketball besides the Bucks until prepping for this podcast. So it was it was definitely a nice refresher to go back and watch some games and see what some teams are doing. And with that in mind, we're talking about three teams who are, well, who have started the season pretty well, two teams in particular. Uh, we're talking about the number one seed in the West, the New Orleans Pelicans, the number two seed in the West, the Memphis Grizzlies, and a the number five seed in the West, the Portland Trailblazers today. Why don't we start down in New Orleans where the Pelicans are 18 and 9. Um, surprising many, really, but they have had a fantastic start to the season. What do you attribute to their success besides, you know, having Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum, which we should talk about. But uh, but watching the games back, what have you thought has – what, what things have you seen that have made them a successful basketball team in the season? Well, I think part of it is kind of their ability, like in a very broad sense, to kind of take your question literally, like – they have some schematic versatility where they can kind of play a standard lineup with Jonas Valanciunas at the five, kind of play his standard drop coverage. Um, not so much a floor spacer. I mean, he can he, he spaces the floor a little bit, but not really all the way to the three-point line, at least at a high volume. But then you have your small ball Larry Nance at the five lineups, which have been really big for them. And he's actually, when we think of small ball lineups, we think of kind of a center being able to switch and allowing your lineups to switch everything, but he's been able to play in drop coverages too. Opens up the floor more for Zion Williamson, and which is great since he's had the ball in his hands a lot, especially with Brandon Ingram out. So I think being able to play in multiple different ways is part of the reason they've been as successful as they have, and uh, part of the reason that they're sixth in offense and third in defense on the season. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting. They, they take 35 um, field goals per game within five feet. It's a huge part of their game. But then they also have guys who can spread the floor and shoot around Zion, which, I mean, we, we've seen that's a proven, you know, formula for success in the NBA. I, I was watching Zion in, in these games, and it kind of hit me. He, he reminds me a lot of, of Travis Kelsey, uh, or like just like a really great tight end in the, in the NFL. You know, he's too big for smaller defenders who can keep up with him with their lateral movement. And he's, you know, too agile for bigger defenders to keep up with him with just his speed. And it's really amazing to watch because it's not just he gets to the rim and dunks it. He has a bag around the rim. I mean, he can he has so many different counters. He has even a little step back game from the baseline. It's really phenomenal to watch. You know, I think a lot of people think he's just sort of this high flyer, but he is a really, really creative finisher, which I feel like gets a little bit undersold when when you think about zion williamson at least from what i've seen um you know i haven't seen really i haven't seen really people talk about him that much in that context at least you know from a national perspective yeah i I think sometimes he can be put into like a freight train kind of category when there is a lot of definitely deliberate nature to what he's doing and finesse you could say like I, i think his first one of the crazy things about him is his quick first step and oftentimes when we say that we're talking about perimeter players 
at the three-point line, but he uses his first step kind of in the mid-range area to just yeah. get a really uh, good head start. And his footwork and body control around the basket is just amazing to watch. And like Aaron Gordon has had a great, great season um, on both ends for Denver this season, but like Zion was just completely making him seem like an average defender when they played the Nuggets. And um, Zion's passing has been really good this season too. I mean, it's gotten incrementally better. He's making a few less mistakes, being a little less predictable, getting off the ball a little quicker, I think, when it, when, when the time is necessary. Um, career high in assists per game and assist percentage by just a bit for both of those things, but I think you can see it in the game. Um, I think off ball, it's been a little bit wonky sometimes. I wish that he would kind of cut more aggressively rather than just stand around because if Zion's standing around, no one's going to really guard him that much, um, even though he has had a few games where he's hit a few threes this season, but... Um, yeah, I mean, on the ball, playmaking, you know, being the hub of an offense, particularly in these, in this stretch while Brandon Ingram has been out, he's been super impressive and he's been one of the hottest players in the NBA the last couple of weeks. Well, it's funny that you mentioned his playmaking. He's at a career high 4.3 assists per game, uh, which is, which is a career high by a full assist. You know, he hasn't played that many games in his NBA career, but that's still significant. One out of five made shots by the Pelicans while he's, he's on the floor are assisted by him. I mean, that's a big deal, uh, especially for a player like him uh, and he even he still does bring a lot of gravity they have three guys on their team like I mentioned earlier that can tilt the floor in on different in different spots I mean CJ McCollum does that on the perimeter Ingram can do that anywhere but he's become sort of a mid-range killer uh, in, in in his career and then Zion you know wherever he is also he's gonna tilt the floor a little bit and that has really allowed a lot of these exciting role players to thrive those three guys uh, and to me, I think CJ McCollum, I, I'm, I'm trying to think quickly before I say this, but he might be the third, the best third offensive option in the league. I, I don't think that's that controversial to say. But Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, that sounds, that sounds reasonable. I ha- I'd have to think about it a little bit, but yeah, the, the first, yeah in, ter- yeah, in terms of like a dynamic nature can get you their own bucket. Like obviously, you know, CJ is not going to be as efficient as, Jared Allen, who's like the third option for the Cavs, but there's a different position and like in, in terms of playoff, you know, manufacturing baskets, I, I think that's I think that sounds fair. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and I and I do want to talk a little bit about Brandon Ingram because I, I haven't watched him closely for a while, but he I mean, he is turned into a phenomenal player. And and he and I was telling you this earlier, but he and Zion really remind me of of Chris and Giannis, Chris Middleton and Giannis. Uh, it's kind of the same formula where you have a three-level scorer who can thrive in the mid-range, who can be that initiator and that closer late game, and then you have the force in the paint with with Zion and Giannis. So, um, and they're young. I mean, they're super super young. So I, uh, I also I think we should really highlight Bi's off-ball movement. It is really impressive. And he is up there with with some of the best off-ball movers in the league. He really takes advantage of Zion's gravity, and he really takes advantage of off-ball screens. Um, And even, you know, there were a couple of times where there was a screen set, and he used that to go the other way. I mean, away from the screen, which is not, you know, uncommon for people who are good on off-ball movement. But I do think that's a really good development in his game, especially for a guy I think many people saw as kind of an inefficient scorer type uh, that wanted the ball in his hands. And, I mean, frankly, he's had he had disagreements with coaches in the past because of his role in the offense. But he has really embraced his role in this offense. 
as a number two option, I guess. I mean, he's been injured, uh, you know. We, we haven't necessarily seen all three of their, their stars play a lot of games together. But I, even even so, I, I've been really impressed with, with Ingram's off-ball movement. Yeah, sure. I think I think when you've got guys who can move off the ball, guys in at least CJ and Brandon Ingram who are plus-plus shooters, you know, sometimes people get, I think, a little bit too concerned about fit and touches when, when, when you have players like that who can pass, shoot, and dribble. I mean, you know, I think you're going to be fine for the most part in terms of fit. Um, I think Larry Nance has looked you know, more mm-hmm. athletic than I feel like he has in a few years. I've seen him get up for the rim, have a few posters. He's been super important, like I said, spacing the floor a lot for Zion. And it looks impossible to guard Zion when he wants to get to the rim when they have five shooters around him. Jose Alvarado, another reason, too, their spacing looks even better. He's shooting 38% from three on high, higher volume this season, which is completely new development for him. We know Jose Alvarado is a beast on defense and can get into opponents' heads and has all kinds of tricks up his sleeve, but offensively, if he's able to hit catch-and-shoot threes, and even in some cases off the dribble threes, that adds even more spacing. And, um, you know, Trey Murphy, another catch-and-shoot guy who you can put in any lineup, has good footwork and athleticism, just a huge guy to have in the rotation for the next several years, I think. Yeah, you know, Larry Nance is one of those guys who always felt like he's better in theory. You know, everyone talks about him like he's this incredible role player, and he's kind of turned into that this year. Trey Murphy, like you said, 41% from three on six attempts per game. That's incredible. Najee Marshall is an incredible passer. I mean, I I was telling you this also earlier. I don't think I've ever seen anyone celebrate passes as much, their own passes as much as I see Najee Marshall do it. And it's awesome. I love seeing that. But uh, his ability to facilitate is is incredible. And, you know, they they have... a lot of these rangy wings, they have different ways to play with Larry Nance in the small ball. And, and and what's really great is Zion does not have to be their small ball five, which I think is really, really yeah, good for them. Which he can do, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Dyson Daniels, another rangy player who can facilitate, who's been really, really good on defense. Um, you know, their ball movement has been incredible. They have they average 305 passes per game, which is fourth in the NBA, and that's a testament to their role players and how much they move their move the ball. Larry Nance, for example, um, he he his assist to usage rate is is in the 83rd percentile. Um, his assist percentage is 12 percent, which is in the 70th percentile, um, and he's also scoring at a really efficient clip. And and these guys are young. I mean, Larry Nance is a veteran, and he's not old. He's a veteran on this team, and he's not old. Um, so. Man, they are, are really fun to watch. I also, I do think Zion is coming along uh, a little bit defensively. Um, you know, he's not he's not necessarily great on defense. Yeah, I, I think that's a little bit generous, yeah. Just to say he's along. not been great. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think he's still very much a minus defender well, you know, to, to, to me from what I've seen this, this year. This was a long time ago, but I'm just now remembering earlier in the season, I was watching the Hawks-Pelicans game, and there, and there was a couple of times when uh, he, he was switched on to Trey Young and he kind of held his own um, on the perimeter and when Trey Young would, would, would drive on him. So, I mean, he has the tools to be a good defender, I, I think. Um, you know, they're second in the NBA in steals and deflections. Uh, they, they have a really active defense. Herb Jones, I said Herb Jones. Herb Jones is, I mean, he is like your quintessential Swiss Army Knife defender. Yeah, and, um, and, and important to note that they've been without him for a lot of this recent success, absolutely, too. Absolutely. I mean, if, and if he can put his shooting together like a little bit more, um, you know, he, he'll be one of the best role players in the NBA. So 
it, it's not only great that the, they have all these pieces that can play together and that are young and that can do a lot of different things. And we didn't even mention Devontae Graham, really, um, who, who is, you know, a nice piece off the bench offensively. Um, and, and a lot of these guys with offensive deficiencies can be covered up by their other role players and vice versa. So, I mean, that's a nice luxury to have. But they have a lot of tradable pieces going forward, too, if they really want to get another difference maker, which I don't, I'm not convinced they need. But right now they have 11 guys who play or who and, can play. And do you need 11 guys in the playoffs? Is It, it might be worth, you know, getting a, another quote-unquote top-end guy. But, I mean, that's, you know, we're not necessarily talking about that. No, it's I mean, just, but the scary thing is, is you mentioned they have all these good players, a lot of them young, and you've got all those picks from the Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday trades. So, I mean, they're in really good shape. They are. I mean, in terms of, like, you look at New Orleans and then Memphis will talk about those teams are like, they're just on an upward trajectory seemingly. Like it seems like they're going to get better. Um, two young coaches as well for both of those teams. And I think you have to give credit to Willie Green for, I mean, they're basically not bad in any major statistical category, which is just incredible and usually cannot be done. The fact that this, this team is third in defense, I mean, surprises me and I mean, I, I do I do kind of want to talk about that. So, like, do you think this defense is real at third? I mean, I personally don't think it's it's, it's going to end up a top-five-level defense, but I still kind of have concerns about this defense come playoff time. What about you? I have concerns, but the biggest thing is is their versatility. And we, we haven't even mentioned their starting center. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, they can play with a traditional big. They can play small with Larry Nance. They have... If, I mean, if they if they really wanted to, they could play a really solid defensive lineup at all times with, you know, Alvarado, uh, Herb Jones, Ingram, Zion, and Nance. You know, obviously McCollum's not on the floor, but, I mean, they can play to the opponent in the playoffs. And I think yeah. having that type of versatility is, is great and I think can translate. And also, they are a switching defense. They do switch quite a bit. And, and you know... The, the one the one concern is they do have some players who are just minuses on defense. And Zion, and CJ McCollum, and Devontae Graham. I don't know how many minutes Devontae Valanchunas in a lot of matchups, I would say. Sometimes sure. that drop coverage can look really bad, especially against Chris <laughs> Paul-type players. Sure. But Nance can year. play the drop. I, I mean, he, he, he can. And he has played the drop well. But I, I, I do think... And, and teams are going to always try to bring Zion in on the action, like into the action, rather. Um, I mean, that's been happening quite a bit. But they have an extremely switchable defense, which we've seen that's kind of what you need to be successful in the playoffs. And, you know, I don't think there are many teams in the league, maybe, say, aside from Boston and Milwaukee, who have guys, who have five guys on the court at all times who can just play good defense. And I mean, even Milwaukee doesn't necessarily have that if Grayson Allen's playing. And both of those teams are scheme versatile too, and you're not really dropping off in defensive quality, which is really important. Yeah. Right. So I mean, are they a top three defense come playoff time? I don't know, but they. I mean, they have the guys. They have they have Alvarado, they have Herb Jones. You know, they they have guys who can who can play defense. So. Um, I'm I'm not convinced that they're not a good defense. I guess is no. What I'm I, I still think they could be a good defense, and I think when you when you when you watch them play, they do just look like they're on a string, and they've you know they're playing for each other really on both ends. And like I said, that's a credit to coaching, that's a credit to the players. But I think 
one concern that is that I think you're going to have to lean into a lot of Nance at the five lineups. And like I said, those lineups have been doing well, but the rebounding definitely turns into an issue on that end. Larry Nance is uh, mm-hmm. 6'9", Zion, you know, not the tallest four in the league. Um, I mean, he's very good on the offensive boards, but not always great on the defensive boards. So that could turn into an issue. But, you know, there's weaknesses with every lineup, and I understand that. But it'll it'll be interesting. I just think generally that front court could look a little bit small against some matchups in the playoffs with, with Larry Nance and Zion if that's the way they have to go, if Jonas Valanciunas is not playing well in the drop or whatever it may be. But these are great questions to have when your team is so young. You still have a lot of assets and can improve your team in the, in the next few years. Um, like, yeah. I think I think Zion, yeah. I, like I said, I don't think he's been very impactful defensively. I think he's kind of gotten lost sometimes off-ball and on-ball. But I think that stuff can improve. And the most important part is, I mean, Zion didn't play last season. And he's looking like a definite all-star. So, I mean... The fact that they're first in the West right now is a testament to their top talent, their coaching, and their future, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're, 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 I think, they might be my favorite team to watch in the NBA right now, uh, just for, for a plethora of reasons. They're, I, they just have so many players who can do different things. I mean, I think that's just the best way to put it. Uh, anything else on the Pals before we move on? Um, yeah, I guess one boring statistical note is that I think they're getting a little bit lucky on opponent three-point shooting, and oftentimes, you know, sometimes that can be uh, due to contesting more, but usually contest rates are the same among teams. You can't contest every three, so we'll see We'll see if that dips them a little bit, but I do I, I, I do think you're right. I think they can, I, I could definitely see them being a top 10 defense by the end of the season, and their offense could be getting even better once they get all their players out there. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, moving on to the Memphis Grizzlies, who are actually also 18-9 and nine now, so tied for first place uh, in the West. They are on a six-game winning streak led by potential MVP candidate Ja Morant. Um, they are playing some great basketball, and another team that has not been fully healthy or had all their guys playing at the same time this season, so pretty impressive from them in, in the West. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Jaron Jackson. He's only 11 games back. His hands have looked really good. His body control has looked really, really good. He had two down shootings from three, like way down from his first two seasons, the last two years. But this season, he's shooting 36% from three. And I think he looks pretty confident in his shot. I still believe him, believe in him as a three-point shooter. Um, he has that ability to kind of jump twice in quick succession. Um, getting a ton of blocks. I think his block percentage is in the 100th percentile per cleaning the glass. Um, he's averaging 3.6 blocks per game. Wow. Um, and, and he makes such a difference. So, so like you said, they're, they're eight and three. Well, you didn't say this, but he's played 11 games. They're eight and three with Jaron back. Many of those games without Desmond Bain, who had been their second best player for the majority of the season, their defensive rating went from 21st to third when, or so there's, they're 21st without Jaron Jackson and third with Jaron Jackson in those 11 games. That's crazy. So you can see how big of an impact he has on this team, uh, and, and getting him back. I think vaults them into a different status. Like they are a true contender in the NBA, in, in my opinion, right now. Am I crazy? No, I mean I, that's a question that I was gonna eventually ask you. I think this team. I mean, we're getting to the point where we know this team is gonna be a regular season machine. I kind of get some of that bud energy in Taylor Jenkins, where you know you have your low hanging fruit on both ends. You have you know your identity. You don't you know you don't make too many mistakes. You have typically good shot profiles on both ends. You kind of know what you're giving up. 
on defense. You you want to protect the rim. I, I think, um, and it's like kind of plug and play. Even with injuries, they just churn out these regular season wins. And of course, that starts with Taylor Jenkins, as I said, and John Morant, who, you know, and, and you know, part of the reason I think this team could be a contender is Ja, who's really grown on me. And it seems like just game to game, he really knows when to take a step back, when to get his teammates involved. He gets the ball, gets rid of the ball early in possessions. You know, he has the ability to have so much gravity on every possession, but their offense does not look like a Luka Doncic, Trey Young offense, where it's so heliocentric, one pass, three-point attempt. Like, there's a lot of movement off ball and on ball, and part of that is a testament to John Moran and his underrated playmaking. I think he's one of the best passers in the league, but he, I, I don't think he gets talked about like that all the time. No, absolutely. I, I don't have the their pace numbers in, in front of me. I didn't, I didn't um, write them down, but... If you watch them, you'll notice within five seconds, by the time 20 or 19 hits on the shot clock, they're offensive set and there's some action happening. And that's pretty rare, especially with, you know, young teams, I would say. So you're right. I mean, they they have just a really good offense. They have a lot of really nice um, role players as well. I mean, they're another team like the Pelicans who are just drafting or signing and developing a lot of these guys. And it's really impressive to see. One more note on Jaren. He it's only been eleven games, so but but he's averaging a career low in fouls per game. Last year that was a bit of a problem uh, in the playoffs. Last year him getting into foul trouble. So if that continues, that is you know that's great for him. I mean that's just another step he's taken in his game. And what a draft this this one is Jaren's is turning out to be. You I mean you had DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, Jaren, and Trey all in the top five of that draft, and then you have Mikael Bridges and Shea Alexander in the first round. So. I mean, it's just a phenomenal draft. Something to go back and, and look at. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm looking at it right now, Michael Porter, too. So, um, But no, Jaron has been... Jaron's one of my favorite players in the NBA. So it, it's really great to see him come back into the team seamlessly and make them even better. I mentioned Desmond Bain has uh, not been playing much. Uh, he'll be back pretty soon. Not been playing much due to injury. He'll be back soon. But something that's interesting is Bain is attempting 4.6 threes off the dribble this season and he's converting 46 percent of them crazy i mean that is just an insane number and you were mentioning ja about how um he's evolved a little bit too he has the highest free throw uh highest free throw rate of his of his career so that's really great that he's drawing fouls as well and he's getting those easy points yeah absolutely i think the point that you made about jaron jackson's fouling is really important Last year, Jared Jackson versus Carl Anthony Towns in the first round was a bit of a foul bowl. That was just both players were like fouling out like crazy. Um, I think it's really important because that was pretty much his only weakness defensively. Um, now you've got yourself in a position where you can play Jared Jackson at the four along with a more traditional five and Steven Adams. Get a bunch of boards that way. Use your length a ton. Uh, Jared Jackson can space the floor, but you can also play Jared Jackson at the five and those lineups have been doing well as you might expect. And he can protect the rim that way. But when Jared's in... When, it reminds me of Giannis in a lot of ways because when Jared's in that weak side rim protector role as the four and he can kind of do what he wants, roll off a weak shooter, he's crazy. He's actually crazy. Like, defensively, he reminds me of Giannis in a lot of ways. You know, he is like that. And then you're seeing this evolution that Giannis made of not following as much. Although, well... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Giannis's fouls are like offensive fouls no, like, and stuff like that. But for, for sure, I mean... Uh, yeah. Well, no, he's a defensive player of the year type of type of guy. Yes. And you know, I think last time we recorded, 
we still weren't necessarily sure when exactly he would be back. I mean, and right now it's December 14th, and he's played 11 games. Um, so, it, I mean, I, for me, that's quicker than I thought. I thought he would be coming back right around now. So it's pretty impressive to see. Yeah, and I certainly didn't think he would be playing this well as of, as of now, um, or, or straight off the bat. And the only thing is that he's really, like, averaging less than an assist a game, and it's, it's been clear that he's been looking for his own shot, which is fine, I guess, coming off the injury, but I expect that to kind of normalize as the season goes on. But he's been looking pretty good at creating his own shot, while you do have to give credit for the rest of the offense for giving him in positions where, uh, giving the ball to him in positions where he has advantages. But um, I like Brandon Clark, and I know you do too. Like his hands and spatial awareness, defensive versatility. He's shooting really well around the basket this year, and um, you know credit to the offense in general. Like I said, for giving him those looks too. But yeah, well, to, to me, his ceiling is a better version of Larry Nance, kind of. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think. He just needs to be utilized correctly. When he is, they have been successful for the past few years when he's been integrated into that lineup in those limited minutes. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a good player. Sorry, I cut you off. Do you have anything you have more to say about him? No, I, I think I agree with you. I think the numbers right now are pretty weak with him as sure. the lone five. Sure. Or, um, with Yeah, with him as the lone five. But when he's with J- at the four and Jaren's at the five, which is what you were talking about last year, if I recall, it is, they're really yeah. strong that way. Right. And well, and that's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, he's not he's not a lone five. He shouldn't be. But they, he won't be probably this season. Uh, two guys I do want to talk about are John Conchar. Conchar? Conchar, yeah. Conchar. Um, and uh, Sa- Santi Aldama Toledo. Santi Aldama. Um well, let's talk about Aldama first, because he's a really interesting player. Um, I, I do think he's somehow getting a little bit overhyped um, <laughs> by basketball Twitter, but he has a lot of really, really fun tools that you know will probably turn him into a really solid NBA player, and he's been playing really, really well as of late and is get, getting more and more minutes. Uh, he's the only player amongst rookie and sophomore sophomores of 20-plus threes, 20-plus steals, and 20-plus blocks. Wow. So, I mean, that's kind of like an arbitrary stat, but it does give you a little bit of insight into his unique skill set uh, as an NBA player. So, um, you know, he's a guy who turned down Real Madrid and FC Barcelona, not FC Barcelona, Barcelona, <laughs> um, uh, coming out of Spain to come and, and play So in the NBA. So he's working his way, and he's, he's playing really well. And then uh, for, for Contra, um, I, you know, he, he's been really impressive this season too. Um, I think... Uh, where oh yeah, the Grizzlies are plus seven with him on the on the floor. Uh, which you know again limited minutes, but he has played six hundred eighty five minutes this season, so not a, a tiny sample size. But he's been playing really well as well. Yeah, he's for sure had an elevated role with some of the injuries around the team, and I really like when he like he can use his three point threat to kind of attack closeouts and get to the basket. He's made some explosive plays that way. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Aldama is a really interesting player. Um, defensively, I want to see a bit more. I think even though he's got the blocks and the steals, I've seen him get burned a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, his three-point shot looks real. I've seen him do that Pat Hansen thing where he just takes the three without bringing it down, which is kind of just a fun tool and can help you get off threes quickly before the defense can close out on you. Um, and this team just, like, they play really hard. They play for each other. Even when they're up by 20 in the fourth quarter, like, it's it, they're also fun to watch. And like you said, they're one of the most fun teams in the NBA to watch. Um, uh, they're defending really well uh, um, for in terms of the more controllable parts of the court, like the short mid range and the rim. A lot of well communicated drop, well communicated drop coverage. Stephen Adams, 
I mean, not a player that a lot of, you know, NBA Twitter nerds are going to celebrate all the time, but he's been really key for getting them a huge rebound advantage on both ends of the floor. Um, and at the time we said, like, why did you do this trade, Jonas, for uh, Steven Adams? But now looking back on it, I mean, I think it worked out pretty well for both teams, both teams that we or have talked about on this episode. Um, they get out and transition a lot. They're a joy to watch. Like, okay, so the thing with Ja and is, like, there's, you know, there's that bit of suspense when he gets airborne, and then you think you know what he's going to do, and then he just does something different. Like, it looks like he's going up for a dunk, and then he does a reverse layup, or vice versa. Like, there's just that joy about watching Ja get airborne that may be unparalleled in terms of, in terms of just, uh, like, players near the basket in the NBA, just in terms of entertainment value right now. Absolutely. And I was actually going to say earlier when we were talking about Zion, it is kind of like Ja, where he's not just, like, a run and dunk guy i mean <laughs> but he has so much finesse around the rim another thing that's been really impressive for me is how they crash the boards they're second in offensive rebound percentage um you know and they also a lot like we were talking about earlier they move quickly and get set but 77 percent of their plays occur in the half court offense and they're still able to score so many points so i mean you would think maybe with jaw they'd be a really great transition team which i mean they can be but the fact that they're able to be this effective in the half court is really, really encouraging for the playoffs. Yeah, with or without a paid bound setter in Steven Adams. So they can bo- go both ways. Um, right. And like to your point, you said they're second in offensive rebound rate. Yeah, 35% of their misses, they rebound. I mean, that's <laughs> that's, that's crazy. crazy. Like that's that, that It's hard to beat teams when they're doing that. Right. And their transition defense is really good. Like you'll notice when it's too easy for the offense and there's an open layup. Right. Where a lot of teams, that's just part of an NBA basketball game these days. Right. But... They're awesome in that way. Tyus Jones' lineups have not been as good this year. He was a six-man-of-the-year candidate last year, and he hasn't been as efficient this year. But I think once injuries and stuff stabilize, they'll kind of go back to a normal rotation, and he'll have a more favorable role. I still generally like him when Jaws like inactive for a game. I just think he makes good reads and good plays. But um, yeah, I, I still like Tyus Jones a lot as a player, but... There was a thing last year where like people were like, oh, they're better with Ja off the court. What does this mean? And now that is just not the case. And we're seeing, we always knew that Ja was a great player, but the, the numbers and the lineups are bearing it out more this year that he is um, that kind of perennial uh, first or second team All-NBA guard like he's going to be for the next few years. And he's actually finishing a little bit worse at the rim this year. I think from what I've seen is maybe he's being a little bit more conservative with his body, not always going for those hard falls that can sometimes be scary for fans to watch. But, um, yeah, I uh, if he gets that percentage up, then uh, that rim percentage up, his total points per game will go up, and I think his, and his efficiency in general will go up, and then he can maybe start to uh, crack the the real uh, top part of the MVP conversation this season. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the rebounding thing was something that they were really successful last at last year. They were top in the league last year as well. And we're basically seeing them use a lot of the building blocks they did last year to be a really successful team. A team that finished second in the West. I mean, I think we should remember that they did that last year as well. And they've improved as a team and as a unit. And the West is wide open. I mean, they really could come out of the out of the Western Conference and, and play in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I don't think that's... I don't think... That, I, and I think I... I don't know if it's a bit of a, you know, 
me like i'd have to think about exactly why i favor the grizzlies over the pelicans to go all the way a bit more it might just be maybe like a fallacy of like they made it farther in the playoffs last year so they're more likely to make it farther this year i don't agree you think the pelicans you think have a better chance to make the finals yeah yeah i mean that 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 could be true i think i well who do you think matches up better who do you think matches up better in a seven game series with each other Mm, that's uh, that's an interesting one to me it's the pelicans they have the guys who can guard, potentially, can guard the Grizzlies, and they also have the guys who can score difficult shots, like the mid-range shots, and CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram, and they're just more dominant inside with their with their post players. They are, but if, but if it does go to a point where both teams are favoring small ball. I mean, you still, I still like Jaron Jackson as kind of the head of that sure. defense as to Larry Nance. And I still think with your best players on the court, Brandon Ingram's made strides defensively, but he's not a stopper. You know, um, to be honest, I forgot about Jaron Jackson for a second. You know what I was talking about. <laughs> no, and Desmond Bates is a huge, huge yes. player for them. He's turning into, like, really one of the best 3 and D players in the league, if you can even call him that, because he has an advanced role. I do think the They have less weak defenders. I do think the Pelicans are one of the teams that could, could take... Desmond Bain out of the game as much as you can take a player out of the game in the playoffs. Sure, like like I could see Herb Jones, you know, yeah, doing yeah. something to that effect. But then if you're playing Herb Jones, Jose. you know, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. If you do that though, you're taking off some of your better shooters in Trey Murphy or CJ McCollum or whatever the case may well, be. I mean, it's gonna so be it's gonna I think be there's weird. just don't you think there's more of those trade offs that you have to figure out with the no, Pelicans that's what makes and with play- the Grizzlies? That's what. Excuse me. <laughs> That's what makes playoff basketball so fascinating. I mean, I think that it'll be a fascinating series, is it? For sure. Um, and hopefully, that is, <laughs> I, I kind of hope that is the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, or even if it's the second round. Yeah, whatever. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I do think... I think I do lean Pelicans. Because I, I, I think... I think scores get it done. I mean, defense obviously gets it done. And I think they have enough to supplement the scoring that the Pelicans have enough defense to supplement the scoring they have. So I can see it going to seven. Um, I can see a lot of adjustments being made throughout the playoffs in terms of lineups and stuff like that. Uh, so I, that, that'll be, that'll be an exciting, exciting one if it happens for sure. But Ye- yeah, I mean, that's why, I say, but it's not, it's like, it's not straightforward. No, it's not straightforward at all. And that, that's and that's why I was saying at the beginning, like maybe maybe it's it's just harder for me to see a team that got knocked out in the first round and was I believe in the plan initially go all the way to the finals, or a team that made the second round and lost to the eventual champions sure. go all the way. But Zion wasn't there. Yep. Yeah, Brandon Ingram has gotten even better. CJ McCollum is another year in this offense. And then you have all these guys who either weren't there playing minutes, like Najee Marshall and Dyson Daniel. And then even Larry Nance wasn't, you know, doing what he's doing right now. Um, and then you have guys like Jose Alvarado, who, who's now like all of a sudden a 39% three-point shooter, who's really improved his game. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just, they're a better team than they were No, they last absolutely year. are, yeah. And they have the best player, who even with John on the court, might be the best player on the court. I think John's better. I'm not going to say Zion is better than John. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I'm just saying, like... If, if Jaw is one, then uh, the Pelicans have two and three. Well, you know, actually, maybe not. 
It's tough. I think it's a tough series. I The reason I feel like I would lean towards the Grizzlies is just because I think they can get more of their... Like, I, I think... I think I think Willie Green would have to push more buttons right than Taylor Jenkins would. Sure. Because I think the, the, the closing lineup is, like, more straightforward for the Grizzlies. Sure. You just put, ba- the- put Bane, John, and Jaren, like, as a base out there. Yeah, you put them as a base. And then when you're going small at the four and the five, you've got Brandon Clark and Jaren versus Zion and Larry Nance. Like, I, I think defensively I know who I'm taking in that. It, it, it's the Grizzlies. And... Yeah, but then, but then you also have... You have Jot... And Bane's a decent defender. But, and Bane's a good defender, yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, who's who's Jaw going to guard in that scenario? I mean, I guess maybe Alvarado if he's out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah you put you put him on the weakest defender. You have Dylan Brooks too, who can guard another wing if you need to do that. Maybe maybe you would put Dylan Brooks on on Brandon Ingram. Um, I don't love no, Dylan then Brooks. You can't... Well, yeah, I don't yeah, know. You could, you could, right? yeah, yeah. Jaw, Bane, Brooks. Clark and Jaren. Clark and Jaren, yeah. And Clark, Clark, I, I think we project Clark a little bit farther sometimes than he, uh, yeah, he, than he is in reality. He's yeah. one of those players like Larry Nance that you're talking about. But regardless, I do think Zion, Zion, when, when you're playing the four in a lineup, and maybe, you know, guys like Herb Jones or Trey Murphy can compensate and Brandon Ingram, but I just think, I just think his defense, I think it's, it's gonna, there's gonna be a spotlight on it in a playoff series. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen Zion in the playoffs yet. And, It'll be interesting to watch, but for sure these but two teams Josh are good. similar in that way. And what about Josh shooting as a guard? Yeah, I mean Josh. Okay, I, yeah, I, th- I think Josh is an underrated bad defender. I mean, like in terms it's of just not, a bad it's, it's not ta- it's not ta- yeah it's not talked about as much. But but it's more important when you're a big guy, I guess. Yeah, it's more important when you're when you're yeah a, a okay. four yeah yeah. Like like Ja, it's gonna be easier to hide him. Like like you know, like the Warriors hid Steph for many years. Even but Steph's a better e- even defender. when he was a port or you know he's got, yeah Steph's gotten. I think now he's a plus defender for sure. He's a good defender, but you know a few years ago I I don't think so. Yeah. But yeah. I I mean I also this is not just for this year, but I think I have more faith in Zion becoming a decent defender than Ja. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, but I mean, Ja. I don't know. Ja. Ja they has. Both the they both have athleticism. I, yeah, but but Zion's just undersized. I mean, so is Ja. I guess. But like, I think it's it's more sometimes can be more hurtful to be undersized at that position than at the, the other one. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we're, maybe are we maybe we're staking out our corners on this podcast. I'm on Zion's yeah, I mean, corner, and you're on Ja corner. It'll, it'll be. We can't, and I, I've, I've never considered myself a huge Ja guy, honestly. I mean, I've always thought he's incredible to watch. <laughs> okay, Alexi Wallace. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's definitely not not the same thing. I just, I, I never knew if he would could project to be, honestly, the best player on the title team, but now I'm starting to change my mind a bit on that. Um, I mean, what, what, you know, it's great to see the guys go one and two, and, and this is where they are. I mean, from the same... From the same I'll guy. never forget, I... I don't watch that much college basketball even now, but especially back then. And I, the first game I watched with John Morant was either the round of 64 or the round of 32. It was Marquette versus Murray State. And I was like, I was like blown away yeah. by, by how good he was in that, in that game. And that he's, he's lived up to the hype for me. Yeah. Poor Knicks. <laughs> they didn't get either of them. <laughs> no, but it, uh, it is so cool that three of the top, uh, the, Three, the three out of the top four teams. In, okay, basically the top two teams in the West and one of the top two teams in the East are Milwaukee, Memphis, and New Orleans. I mean, 
That's really cool. Especially yeah, we got we got Denver a title contender yeah. too for sure. Yeah, they can't cool. even watch their games over there because of some <laughs> really because of some some TV rights nonsense. Oh. Yeah, and that needs to be sorted out if it hasn't. Maybe it has been sorted out, and I haven't been updated on that. But uh, yeah, for sure, it, it is nice to see smaller markets thrive. Drafting well has been uh, the common denominator for a lot of great teams. Yeah, this is completely off topic, especially for this podcast. But remind me, did you see that Fubo TV went down during the semifinal today? No, I did not. Like people just couldn't watch the World Cup, semi- the World Cup semifinals. So. That that's I feel bad for those people. I also feel bad for anyone who may suffer consequences because of that at Fubo. Yeah, but <laughs> that's that's uh, that's that's unfortunate. But uh, that's going to be a great game on Sunday. Not oh, Argentina France. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Who you got in that one? Who? <laughs> Don't ask me that. Well, France. <laughs> I think I think France ultimately has a better shot to win, but I'm rooting for Argentina. So. Me too. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stake out a claim. On side. Um, but it's a great. Uh, no, we'll save it for soccer brothers. We'll save it for soccer brothers, which is, is defunct at the moment. But that's Let's gonna be a, that's gonna be a fun one. We, 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 I, I would like to talk about a, a little bit about that game if Messi wins his World Cup, sure. even on this podcast. Sure, we'll talk about it. Maybe we can talk about who's the Morocco this season of the NBA. Um, I'd have to think about that one a little more. Maybe Utah. Well, I'm um, saying at a later date. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. Staying in the Western Conference, the Portland Trailblazers, they're currently fifth in the West with a 15-12 and 12 record, tied with the Sacramento Kings, actually. Um, they had a really, really rough point in their schedule after a really bright start to the season, but, you know, they've gotten through it, and they're on a two-game winning streak right now, and they're about to be on a three-game winning streak, actually. They're about to beat the Spurs as we speak. Uh, so... Uh, maybe they're stabilizing a little bit, but fascinating team uh, that does not get a lot of pop, but uh, they, they, they've been playing some good basketball, and they they also, you know, in the middle of last year, we're kind of like, what is this team doing? What are these trades that they're making? But they have put together a really nice squad. Yeah, they have. I mean, I think Robert Covington and Norman Powell have not performed as well. I think Robert Covington, not even in the rotation on some nights these days for the Clippers. So I think they called their shot a little early on those guys. Norman Powell's been a little bit okay. underwhelming. I, at first I was like, what are you talking about? They're not on the team anymore. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah I'm saying, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> to, to the, you know, your point about trading those guys away, I think those guys, um, you know, I think they saw a little earlier than a lot of fans did that maybe they're not as good as as they thought, or there's going to be some age concerns, especially for Robert Covington. Mm. And they did get Josh Hart last year at the trade deadline, which has been a really key piece for them. Mm. Um, really loved his energy in transition, on defense. Um, they better hold on to him. I'm seeing I'm seeing some trade rumors around him, so I, I think for their sake, they better hold on to him. Well, there's still broad questions about what can this team really do. Probably nothing. Um, I mean, maybe... <laughs> they're, like, not, I would they're, be, not, they're not the Morocco... Yeah, no, I, I would be surprised if they won a playoff series, I think, at this point. But only four teams win a playoff series in each conference. But so, I mean, that's not, like, the worst thing in the world, but... Or, well, but they're not far off from host potentially hosting a, a playoff series in the first round. Well, a lot can change throughout the entire sure. season. But I think, yeah, no, J- Josh Hart, like we were talking about, I mean, 1.5 steals a game, 4 assists, which is really good for his low usage. Um, Dame having an all-NBA caliber season... Um, if you actually look at the numbers, he's actually just as efficient as efficient as some of his peak seasons. It's just nice to watch him have that same kind of command over the opposition. Give me some logo threes, some put my team on my back moments. Um, they were down three with under two minutes to the Nuggets the other night, and Dame just steps back into a 32-footer and drills it, 
And then another one. He had 11 threes. Yeah. Which is his, which is tied for his record for most threes in a game. Ridiculous. Yeah. And then a similar one, they were down one again, and then he hit, um, uh, well, well, yeah, maybe they're down two. But anyways, he hit a, th- a three with 10 seconds left, but then Jamal Murray hit a game winner with a second left. So he was doing everything he could to keep them in it. But yeah, it's, uh, he, like, it's awesome to see him playing at this level again. Yeah, it's been really it's been really fun to see, and these teams are not better than the teams with CJ McCollum, but I do think you you are seeing what maybe could have been if they moved on from CJ a little bit earlier. And CJ's been phenomenal for New Orleans, and built just a more cohesive team around Dame Willard. I mean, they're not they're just not they're simply not good enough. Um, in that respect, but Jeremy Grant has been playing really well this season. Um, you know, I've seen some Portland people saying he's playing at an all-star level, which, I mean, I guess is technically true. Uh, I don't know if I would put him in the all-star game right now. Um, and you mentioned Josh Hart's, you know, his assist, his assists, um, his assist usage rate is in the 98th percentile. His assist rate is in the 75th percentile. So he is facilitating. What's interesting is his three-point his three-point shot attempt rate, or the amount of threes he's take is, is he takes, is at a career low. So I think that kind of does go hand in hand with his assist rate right now. He's being more of a facilitator and allowing some of these other guys to get involved in the three-point shooting. Um, you know, Shaden Sharp has been really great at shooting this year. So, you know, it, it's an interesting team. It's a fun team. You're right, though. They're probably not going anywhere. Uh, but Anthony Simons has been playing well the last couple. of He's been playing really well. His three-point volume is really impressive. He's shooting above 38% from three on over 10 attempts a game. That's crazy. That's a shooter-shooter, and he still can get better. Um, And I love, you know, their offense seems a lot more creative than the Terry Stotts days. Like, a lot of times they're putting the ball in Anthony Simon's hands. That, okay. That's like saying I'm taller than I was when I was two. I can't even think of it. The point is, I like seeing Dame come off screens and shoot and, and not just be in his hands all the time or... A lot of times it was like your turn, my turn with CJ McCollum. Do you remember then, like four years ago, me just like yelling at the TV? Yeah, I mean, you, you had a personal stake. You wanted to see in the 2019 playoffs, the Bucks play the Blazers in the finals that they got there instead of the Sure, but the their, offense, their offense drew me crazy. It drew me crazy. No, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, but I love seeing Dame off the ball more. And I think those concepts are really effective when you have two guys like Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons who are not only effective shooters, but effective movement shooters. You got uh, Yusuf Nurkic shooting 41% from three on 1.8 attempts a game. Now, that's that's less than a make a game, but if he can tick that up a little bit, they can make things interesting. You know, I always thought he could be a shooter. He, he always seemed like that type of dude to me. But honestly, Nurkic has been frustrating to watch for me this season. I just He's a frustrating player. I just though. don't... He's a great passer and a good rebounder, but his defensive limitations really concern me. I mean, Jokic just schooled him the other night, and I know that's... You know, Jokic can school anyone, but I just... He this, kind of fits that stereotype, you know, of like the European big. Kind of, yeah, not a great, not a great foot speed. Kind of just like a really good pass, like a finesse player, kind of. But he's, which I don't necessarily agree with. And it's, it, I feel like it's easier to say like someone's uh, this big man's a great passer when if you put Damian Lillard and Nurkic in pick and roll, Damian Lillard is getting like trapped half the time. No, so it's easy is, to force. He's, he's a good, he's a good passer. He's a good passer. But I'm saying like, I think I think you could put other players like. It's 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 an easier playmaking role than, than some players, you know. So what, when you, you're in a four you, and three, you think Drew, yeah, you think Drew Eubanks should play some more? No, I think they should trade for Miles Turner. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> I think this is a great Miles Turner destination. I mean, if you put together a starting lineup of Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, Miles Turner, Anthony Simons, and Damian Lillard, I feel like you're covering your defensive bases a little more. You're protecting the rim a little bit more, which has been a weakness this year. 10th in offense, 23rd on defense. I mean, it's like we've seen this story before, right? I think you need, especially with that small backcourt, I think, I think they just need more uh, just... Yeah, a better a better rim protector, and I think Miles Turner could do that for them. Um, I'm not sure about the salary and what they're what they're sending out exactly, but I would like to see them move on from Nurkic. I think it's I think it's probably about time to change that part of the roster up. But what, what do you think? Could you see Miles Turner there? Yeah, I, mean, I think I think that would be a really good fit. But look, I, I really do think Drew Eubank should get more minutes. Well, yeah. I mean, no, no. I mean, I agree with that a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, he's playing 17 minutes per game. He's in the 99th percentile with a 75% effective field goal percentage. Okay, not very high volume. He has a less than 10% usage rate, but he's he's shooting um, super well at the rim. So you know, I mean, he's he's been wait, let me. He yeah, he's shooting 74.4% um, from two. So that's in the 97th percentile. He's just been extremely efficient. He's an extremely efficient player this season. So, I, I you know, I think he deserves a little bit of... He deserves a little more minutes. This, this is crazy. He's scoring 150 points per 100 shot attempts. That's yeah, I mean, know. a lot of those... Like, yeah. Look, I don't care. I'm just saying. A lot saying, of them, like, I'm, layups. I'm, and, <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I'm, mostly, I'm mostly joking, but also... I mean, he gives them more pop than Nurkic, though, does. right now, offensively. No, no, Nurkic does. has just not been good scoring the ball this season. Well, no, because I was watching, and I was like, you know, he... he Eubanks looks kind of good, so that's why I, I, I wanted to look at his stats specifically, and it, it kind of matches up. If he plays more minutes, all those numbers are going to go down. But, yeah. I agree with you that he's been a fun little, if not a story, just kind of a, a footnote in, in this in this season. Footnote. But, <laughs> but Jerry Grant has also been a very good playmaker. He's been great. And did we mention that I think he's shooting 45% from three this season? We didn't. Um, and if you have, I mean, having three, you know, tendon offense feels a little low. Like if you have three players who are 20 plus point per game scores, I feel like they could get up a little bit in terms of offense. And I think they will. They've had some turnover issues, which is not very, um, characteristic of a Damian Lillard team. So we'll see where that goes, but I'd like to see maybe late in games, maybe some Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant two-man action have Jeremy Grant playing four on threes too. I think that could be a good thing. Um, but Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. I think this team is going to fall out of the, the playoff spots and into the play-in. Um, it's really close right now. We're not even close to halfway through the season yet. But I, I just, I do think there are just a lot of fundamental problems with the team in the, in the sense that they're just, they're just not good enough. Um, and, and these guys like Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simons are playing so well. And, and they're 15 and 12, you know, and Dame's playing so well, and they're 15 and 12. I think I believe in the Kings a little bit more. Is that crazy? They might be. Um, they look the same uh, to me. They don't I mean, I just think, because I think, okay, what's the most likely, I mean, I, I just feel like the the most likely formula of either of those teams winning a playoff series is Damian Lillard going bananas. Well, and I, they have that. I don't think either team's going to win a playoff series. No, but I'm saying like... If Damian Lillard won bananas, he gives you a chance. When I say Whereas believe like, in, I mean, I believe in them more to finish. The floor? You think the floor is better than the Blazers? I believe in them more to finish in the top six than I do the Blazers. Okay. Is, is so, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Um, 
I think that, yeah, what I, I guess what I was thinking, and I, I can agree with you on that, is that the Blazers' upside for me might just be a bit higher. Just no, because no, that's fair. Just because they're, they're, the they, yeah. they're the best player out of, out of all of them. Yeah. Of, of and he has been shooting a little bit worse at the rim this year. That might be some with age, but he was never exceptional, really, around the basket, if you look at just his efficiency there. Mm-hmm. Did you have something to say on that? No, I mean, okay. I I mean, I disagree. Yeah, Pat kind of passes the eye test. Anthony Simons, too, not great at the rim and doesn't get to the line. So, at that, they they don't get a lot of baskets at the rim, actually. And usually, great offenses have have some of that. And on the other end, they're losing that battle, too, giving up so many shots at the rim. Um, They just don't have good defenders. Yeah. (laughs) Who's the best defender on this team? Josh Hart? I, oh, Justice Winslow? Maybe? Yeah, man, maybe. You, you, it's interesting. Justice Winslow at the five lineups have actually been really good. Very small sample. But maybe they should lean into a little more of that. That's a button they could still have even if they make a trade for a center. Justice Winslow is going to be a Raptor in two years. <laughs> I like that prediction. Well, let's, let's, let's note that one down. <laughs> but they're rebounding solidly on, on both ends, so there's that. Um, they are first in free throw rate, which is interesting because they don't get a lot of shots at the rim. I don't... I'd have to like kind of think about really? a lot about what that why they're doing that. <laughs> I don't know what where exactly that comes from. Uh, hmm. um, but yeah, they're 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 a very very interesting team. Um, I don't want to be too hard on Nurkic, but I I do think this team could really benefit from getting a floor spacer and someone who could rim protect. Like if you're not doing if you're not doing that at this point, I think you know it definitely makes sense to move on. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you. I think this team. I don't know what their next step is. If the, the I I could easily see Dame retiring a Blazer. I could easily see the Blazers choosing to trade him down the line, um, because I I think Dame. I do believe that Dame that he wants to stay stay a Blazer forever and everything like that. So um, they've just been kind of in purgatory for, you know, for a long time. And but they have reloaded their roster better than we thought. No, absolutely. recently. So absolutely. But maybe that maybe they should have just tanked. <laughs> well Shaden Sharp I mean he's good he was what the 7th or 8th pick yeah. and he shows these flashes of athleticism and skill that well, make you I, think he can be really really I, good I, I did want to talk about him a little bit because yes he's shooting really well he's you know great going into the to the rim he's got a 3.7% assist percentage and that, that, that passes the eye test it seems like he literally just has laser focus on the rim and doesn't see anything around him so that kind of pa- if, if he can develop and, and we see that you know a lot I mean he's 19 years old we yeah see, no He's, he's a minus NBA player right now. Yeah. Um, but, but he's got a lot of great tools. He has a ton of tools. I mean, he's a really exciting, really exciting. And it seems like there's so many of these guys coming out now that kind of play like this. So it's really cool to see. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where all these guys in that mold kind of kind of peak. But Shane Sharp actually has some real length. He's 6'8". So he's a little bit different than like... Sure, sure, sure. Uh, for some reason, because of because of their limitations, I was thinking about Bones Highland in Well, my I'm head. thinking about like Najee Marshall. Okay, sure, sure. And, That's a bit... Yeah. Like, um, in terms of size, that makes a little more well, sense. Literally all of the guys on the Pelicans, <laughs> besides Jose Alvaro. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, Dane tonight, 37, 8, and 5. So, you know... Yeah, whole home. You made me say that he would be an all-star instead of 13 all-NBA. Thanks and I for that. think That's going to be true. <laughs> so I think, I think it was still the right choice. But it's been awesome to see him. God, he's he's his. I mean, his three point shooting will never not entertain me. Yeah, yeah. I I, I kind of do hope he does get traded at some point because just because I want I want to see him on a real team. And even though you know they made the Western Conference Finals and stuff in the past, like they just they never, made it once. Yeah, they just never exactly were a once. real team. <laughs> I know. Well, that, that's yeah. Exactly. I know. I know that's what you mean, but it's it's worth noting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were just never a real team. So, uh, you know. 
We'll see. We'll see what we'll see what happens with them. Josh Hart, I think, is a really interesting piece for for contenders to look at if if they if the Blazers feel you know if in February they're kind of treading water. Um, we'll see if they if they sell some of their guys or if they keep them around because. Yeah, they'd be a great victor destination if they somehow tanked this season. I mean, that would be incredible. <laughs> that would be give a damn partner like that. Oh, that'd be something to watch. That would be incredible. All right, should we think about what our hidden gem is going to be? Yeah, let's do it. Are you trying to take my job? Are you taking the, the, tra- taking the transition? <laughs> yeah, I did want to take that transition. Um, all right, so for those of you who don't know, the hidden gem of the week is a league pass game that we pick to watch together with you, the viewer. It cannot be a national uh, TV game, which is a league pass. Which I mean, that's self-explanatory, I guess. Uh, it can't be one of the teams we picked last time, which I don't even remember who that was at this point, so we'll just have a clean slate. Um, and it can't really be a game, or we like to not choose a game that would be like an obvious, this could be a national TV game, you know? So um, let's pick one in the next, like I would say, what, four days maybe? Um, that's on league pass. Pelicans Jazz, they've been on, but they've both been on. We're thinking on the weekend, or maybe like maybe we could do Monday if recording like next Tuesday or something like that. Yeah, either one, either one could work for me. Uh, Blazers Mavericks. Um. Yeah. Okay. I guess. I guess I wouldn't. I mean, you know, I think the Lakers are actually kind of interesting to watch right now, but they're always on national TV, so that's kind of defeats the purpose. Um, Pistons have no interest with Cade being out. That's very unfortunate piece of news that we never got to talk about. While we um, were on our hiatus, huh, I'm not really seeing a whole lot right now. Yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of games that I'm super excited about here. Want to go? I mean, we Knicks could go. Chasers. We have we had Thunder on Hidden Gem. I don't think we've had Thunder on Hidden Gem. I don't. We might want to catch them before Shea has a mysterious injury <laughs> and doesn't play. Timberwolves Thunder is this Friday. Uh, we. Have the Timberwolves been on? I feel like they have. I don't know. We have not. We have not talked about the Timberwolves at all. And uh, okay. Carlton Towns is out, but a lot of people think that that makes them look a little bit better okay. with just kind of an identity of. All right, fine. I want to see what people are talking about. With that. <laughs> all right, let's talk about that. So, which which day is that? That's on? Friday, December sixteenth. Okay, so Friday, December sixteenth, the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to Oklahoma City at eight p.m. Eastern. I am circling that here. We will watch that game. Make sure you guys watch. Take some notes. Tell us what you think of this game. If you have any nominations for Hidden Gem of the Week next week, you can email us at clearoutpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at clearoutpod. Leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. But with that, we are going to get out of here. We'll see you guys next time on the next episode of Clear Out.